On Monday, in a New York courtroom, a pre-trial hearing for a remarkable case began. The complainant was Virginia Roberts Jouffre. The defendant, Prince Andrew, the Duke of York. Andrew is being sued by Miss Jouffre over alleged sexual assaults against her when she was just 17 years old. She claims that she was introduced to the prince by the disgraced former tycoon and paedophile Jeffrey Epstein and was then forced to have sex with him. Andrew denies this vehemently. The hearing on Monday, which was conducted by telephone, mostly focused on whether Andrew had been properly served notice of the case against him, an issue which has now been resolved as the UK High Court accepted on Wednesday of this week a request for them to formally contact the Duke about the allegations. It was a technical beginning to what promises to be an explosive and lengthy legal battle but the hearing gave an indication of how the Duke's legal team will likely approach the case. In this episode of Beyond Reasonable Doubt from Mail Plus, I've gathered an expert panel to discuss the hearing and the case against Prince Andrew. They are Nazir Afsal, former Chief Prosecutor for the Crown Prosecution Service and expert on historical sex abuse cases. Di Davies, former head of the Metropolitan Police's Royalty Protection Squad, and male journalist Daniel Bates, who is based in New York and who has been following the accusations against the Duke of York for many years. Daniel, you, as our New York correspondent, were listening in on that conference call, weren't you, uh, relating to the Virginia Roberts Jufra civil claim against Prince Andrew. It only lasted half an hour, but for the first time, we saw what Prince Andrew's tactics are likely to be, certainly in the early days of this case hitting the court. How, how would you describe it? Because his lawyer, he's got a big hitter, hasn't he? Andrew Brettler uh, defending him. Uh, they went on the attack, didn't they? That's right, they did. I mean, it was very interesting because just four hours before the hearing was due to start, we had a notice filed to the court saying that uh, Andrew would be represented by Andrew Brettler from uh, Lavely Singer, which is a powerhouse Hollywood law firm. It's kind of known as one of these law firms that make celebrities' problems go away, and they've represented people like Michael Jackson, Eddie Murphy... Uh, Charlie Sheen during his drug problems a few years ago turned to that company to try and make it all sort of disappear. Um, so we've gone from possibly having no lawyer to having one of the most powerful media savvy operators um, in the business. And, and Andrew Brettler, is, um, he's taken on a number of cases of men who um, were accused of sexual misconduct, including the actor Army Hammer, and the director, Brian Singer, um, who have both been accused of very serious um, sexual allegations. So, you know, a, a heavy hitter, a, a very serious lawyer, and it seems like, you know, rather than 
ignoring this, Andrew appears set to fight it with with every tooth and nail. So the main thing that I took away from it was Andrew's hired a legal big gun. He's going to fight. But these delaying tactics that he's doing at the moment don't seem like they're going to work. Well, Nazir, I just wonder what your legal perspective uh, is on that. Andrew accused of rape, sexual battery and sexual assault by Virginia Jouffre. I mean, really, apart from murder, as serious as it gets. Uh, and it looks like already his lawyers are, Andrew's lawyers are attacking the process. It's something we see on this side of the of the Atlantic, isn't it, all the time? Attack the process first. It's not unusual. Um, if you don't have a defence, sometimes you try and disrupt things. Um, not that I'm saying that he doesn't have a defence. Why is it that lawyers just can't allow the show to get on the road? Why do we have to go through these very time-consuming processes before, you know, things really get started? Well, quite simply put, uh, everybody's entitled to a fair trial. And uh, before you get to hear any evidence, you've got to ensure that all the uh, procedures and processes that are required by law are carried out, namely disclosure, for example, uh, ensuring that um, the proceedings have been properly initiated, all of those things. But, you know, uh, as it's just been outlined to you, you've got a very hotshot lawyer who's who knows his stuff, uh, he will undoubtedly start on, on the technicalities in the hope that that will somehow prevent these proceedings from going ahead. So, turning to you, Di, uh, you've been a, a fierce critic of Prince Andrew um, over the years and about the scandal of Epstein. I just wonder how you viewed it from uh, your position, what happened in that New York court uh, this week? Well, like everyone else, uh, it's a very interesting one, uh, and although I've been in this game over 53 years now, technicalities used by lawyers is nothing new. Uh, it's been part and parcel of, of lawyer proceedings that I've been involved in, and I suppose in this game of played by lawyers, it's legitimate. What I say is, is his actions reasonable for a man who's been accused, as you say, of very, very serious offences? And as you and I have discussed many times, I feel there was a failing on Scotland Yard's part not to take seriously or to investigate properly the allegations that took place in London because aiding and abetting the trafficking of a young girl against her will for sexual purposes anywhere in the world by a British subject is a criminal offence. What I don't understand is, is why those who have surrounded him at the time or throughout this huge long time, let's say he's had 10 years to prepare this and here we are the very last minute with a, a lawyer of this reputation brought forward no doubt for a huge cost to to look at the technicalities what the great British public and I would say is is his actions reasonable and I would say so far they haven't been yeah we have to point out here I mean he hasn't been charged with any criminal offenses as far as we know although the New York prosecutors are keeping things very close to their chest He's not under investigation, although it was reported uh, very recently by Reuters, the news agency, that he is now a person of interest to the ongoing inquiry into the late Jeffrey Epstein. So it does seem that things are tightening, that the Duke is getting boxed in here, both in a civil case and possibly in, in terms of a, any sort of criminal investigation into Epstein, that things are going from bad to worst for him, Di. Yes, well, I concur with that. And as you, you and I again have discussed many times, he has been accused of this. He has been uh, accused in the United Kingdom 
of an offence. Now, if it was you and I, the Metropolitan Police, whose sad record, I'm sad to say, as a former member, is appalling in investigation, why was it that they decided only to assess this case and not to investigate? I always say, unless you investigate a, a criminal allegation, you won't find any offences. And the CPS and others can only advise on the evidence presented to them. Now, if the police have not interviewed key witnesses like his protection officers, those who accompanied him, but I say again, everybody says, yes, he's not guilty. Of course he's not guilty of anything, but he has been accused. He is not a witness as far as I am concerned. He may be in many other victims' cases, but in this, he's an accused person. And that doesn't seem to click with anyone. It might be helpful here to remind you of the full story of the accusations against the Prince and his connections with Geoffrey Epstein. Prince Andrew and Geoffrey Epstein had been friends since the late 90s. They flew together on Epstein's private jet and Epstein and his then-girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell, even attended a party hosted by the Queen in the year 2000. In 2005, the world first heard accusations of child sexual abuse against Epstein. These young girls and women were subject to sexual assault, sexual exploitation, through coercion, false imprisonment. But in 2008, he managed to secure, with the help of his A-list legal team, a widely criticised plea deal. Jeffrey Epstein went to jail just before 10 this morning. He pleaded guilty in open court. He agreed to serve a total of 18 months in the Palm Beach detention facility. Virginia Jouffre had been one of several accusers in the case and continued, along with others, to accuse Epstein and British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell of abuse. By 2015, she had publicly named Prince Andrew in connection to the Epstein case. He denied any wrongdoing. The FBI say they have repeatedly asked the Duke to cooperate with their criminal inquiry into Epstein's co-conspirators, but claim he has refused. The Southern District of New York and the FBI have contacted Prince Andrew's attorneys and requested to interview Prince Andrew. And to date, Prince Andrew has provided zero cooperation. This again has been denied by the Duke's legal team. Perhaps frustrated with the delays in the criminal investigation, this August, Virginia Jouffre launched a civil lawsuit against the prince. Jouffre seeks damages for allegations of battery and intentional infliction of emotional distress in the civil complaint, which was filed by her attorney in federal court in New York on Monday. Daniel, back, back in New York, I uh, wanted to ask you this because in 2011, I first went to the States, Palm Beach, to report on Virginia Jouffre's allegations against Prince Andrew. And again, I went back in 2015. What startled me then was outside Palm Beach, outside Miami, there is very little interest in Prince Andrew and the Epstein affair then. Uh, it, was, it was extraordinary. Obviously, a huge interest in Fleet Street and the British media, hence I wouldn't have been there in the first place. But it's very different now, isn't it, that this scandal, you know, certainly in the last couple of years, has gone on to new levels and, and the American media are all over it. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting. So I, I had a conversation with Julie Brown. Um, she's the Miami Herald journalist who's reporting 
you know, kind of blew this open, um, I think in 2018, um, and made clear what a perversion of justice, which was the, the name of her, her series on, on this, um, the Epstein plea deal back in 2007 was. And she was, she was going through cuttings to write her book, and she was very surprised by how much more aggressive the British media had been about covering the story than, than the US. And it's just... I mean, I think it's it's very interesting, and it just shows that it was just not on the radar for them. They, I don't, I, it's it's a mystery to be honest. But I, I think there was a kind of collective failure, not just in the 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 US but the UK as well. I mean, you know, Julie assembled court documents. She read through a lot of stuff and essentially put together what was out there already. Um, and I think for me, it's it's raised a lot of interesting questions about you know why wasn't this case important? Why didn't anyone do a proper job on it at all until Julie came along and did such a fantastic job? Because I mean, did we just look the other way? Was it just not important? I don't know. I mean, you know, as a journalist myself, it's it's uncomfortable to kind of look back and think, well, why didn't we report more on this? Why didn't really, really go to town at the time? Um, having said that, once Epstein did, did, did get arrested and the American media started to, to sort of take interest, they did a really good job of reporting it. All the stuff about Epstein's link to philanthropy, um, you know, the Bill Gates stuff and his involvement with Epstein started to come out as well. So uh, I think it was a classic American response, messing it up the first time around and then an overwhelming response when they actually did get involved. So I mean, when I was over in 2015, I really got the impression that, and this is, you know, the Duke is entitled to presumption of innocence. Uh, I want to be absolutely clear on that. There have been you know, too many occasions in the past when people in the media and the police have assumed guilt and you're leaving yourself open there. But I got this sense in relation to Epstein that he was above the law and was being protected by the American establishment. I didn't realise until that, okay, 2015 in particular, that the American legal and political establishment is everything, every bit as bad, possibly, as the British one. I just wonder how you see it, because you've worked on both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there have long been rumours and speculation about why Epstein got the deal he did. No one's ever got to the bottom of it, but it was supposedly discussed at the very highest levels of the Department of Justice. Um, there's been speculation that he helped out with prosecuting some financial cases, but that's one of the great unanswered questions at the, the, the sort of centre of the Epstein case. Who, who ultimately decided that this was the right course of action and why? And it, it really stinks, you know, even without knowing what it's all about, it smells really, really bad. I don't feel we know anywhere near the full truth on that. And, and I wondered, Nazir, you as a distinguished ex-chief prosecutor of the Crown Prosecution Service here in the UK, uh, how you see that plea bargain deal, which certainly allowed Epstein to cheat justice, you know, more than a decade ago. And uh, quite possibly, depending on how things pan out in the next few months or, or more, some of his co-conspirators. How, how do you see that? I mean, it's rotten, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely. It's, in hindsight, it is rotten. Absolutely. I don't know what we were thinking back or what anybody was thinking 12 years ago as to the full extent of the criminality. But uh, yeah, I, generally, I've, I'm a strong supporter of, of um, plea bargaining. I wish we had something like that formally in this country. There is so much uh, evidence that um, the Americans, for example, have been able to bring people to justice that we possibly couldn't have. Now, the problem with plea bargaining, the big problem, is that it often means that the criminality of somebody isn't fully uh, engaged and fully investigated. Uh, and so when they do a deal, deals always involve compromise. And I imagine the prosecutors thought, 
we can get something rather than nothing. Because, of course, there's no guarantee that he would have been convicted if they'd pursued a trial back in 2009. We all know, you know, O.J. Simpson, you name it, um, that American juries also sometimes find people not guilty because there is a presumption, of course, that they are not guilty. So they may have made a judgment that on the basis of what they had at the time, that was the right thing to do. As we've now discovered, it was completely the wrong thing to do. And it has probably set back the ability to tackle sexual abuse of children, not just in America, but around the world by some distance because of that. And it leads us to the conclusion, which I think you hinted at actually, or more than hinted at, is that there are some people in this country and around the world that are above justice. And that should worry us all. Uh, and there cannot be a, a, a justice system that, that is fair if it doesn't operate without fear or favour. And the impression, quite simply left here, is that um, if you are of a certain class, or of certain wealth, or have the right connections, then uh, you'll never face justice, certainly for the full extent of your criminality. I have to say here, obviously, uh, Prince Andrew uh, denies all the allegations made against him. And I did invite a representative of the Duke of York to come on this podcast. You won't be surprised to hear. No, thank you. Was the answer. I just wondered, because you were head of the Royalty Protection Squad, the Yoku commander, weren't you, back in the late 90s? So you were there, Di, heart of the royal policing establishment. How difficult will it be within that atmosphere to deal with a senior member of the royal family accused of grave offences? How difficult is it in reality? Oh, well, it would have been extremely difficult, given the establishment at the time that I was there. That's not saying they wouldn't have done the right thing. It's a hypothetical question, so we'll never know. But, I, you know, the, the establishment, uh, the politicians of the time all watch their back. Most of them get awarded with either CBEs or knighthood. Very few of them are brave enough to actually put their head above the parapet, was my impression. And when certain things went wrong or, or didn't happen, it went up way above my pay grade and, and can and did um, disappear into the limelight. But be under no illusion, uh, taking on a senior member of the royal family uh, is an uphill struggle, in my professional opinion. And just finishing on that, that particular theme, I mean, it, in terms of what Cressida Dick says, nobody's above the law. It would take a really strong commissioner to be very aggressive around an investigation to the Duke of York, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll just add, it would take a strong one, but it would take an honest one without fear or favour and to go where the evidence takes you. That's what you have to be as a senior police officer in command. You have got to have the courage of your convictions and put your head up above the parapet. So many people in, in today's age don't do that. Daniel, in New York, you have got to know Virginia Roberts, haven't you? You've spoken to her on occasions over the years, and um, so much has been written about her. I just wondered your own personal perspective on her, because, you know, she's been in the news now for 10 years. She's clearly had a very troubled start in her life, didn't she? You know, irrespective of 
in whether she can prove what she alleges against Prince Andrew. You know, I, I would be happy to call her a, a victim, not an alleged victim. She is a victim of abuse. And um, I just wonder what your own personal perspective is on her and, and what's driving her in her uh, legal action against Prince Andrew. I think she is someone who is still dealing with some very severe traumas uh, that happened for a long time when she was young. I think she's someone who is um, motivated by a strong sense of justice and what's right. And, um, you know, I, I, I have respect for her. I think what she's doing is very difficult and hard and you know, the easy thing to do would be to sort of keep quiet and go away. But, you know, from my conversations with her, I think, I think, I think having, having her own family, she's, she's got three kids, um, seeing her own children grow up was a major motivator for her to, to go down this path, you know, and especially considering her own kids are, you know, getting close to the age she was when horrible things happened to her, even before Epstein, you know, some very unpleasant things happened to her. So I feel like for her, it's kind of bound up in that, but also, uh, you know, she's founded an, a non-profit for herself. You know, she's she's sort of, you know, realized that she can make a difference and, and have a voice and, you know, stop this happening again. But I mean, like I say, it's, you, there have been times when she's taken breaks from social media because of the abuse she's been getting. And, you know, there have been times where we've not spoken for quite a long time because, you know, she's still, she's going through a bad phase. So I think, She's someone who I think it's it's a moral sense that this is something that needs to be done, but she's still grappling with with a lot of damage and a lot of trauma. And is it is she driving this legal action, or may I ask, are her lawyers? Because obviously there is, you know, without wishing to sound too cynical about it, I mean there there are some very high stakes here, aren't they? Well, my experience tells me that the victims and survivors um, are the ones who drive. I mean, they, they, at the end of the day, if this ends up in a trial, she has to be in a courtroom. She has to be in a witness box. She has to stand there for days on end being um, castigated, um, demeaned, criticised. Uh, every last thing she said or did, etc., will be brought to, uh, will be cross-examined about. So you, you, you can't simply say, well, this is the lawyers doing this. And from what I... What, you know, what was just described now, given that she's set up a not-for-profit, um, you know, she's somebody that clearly feels that she wants to help other people uh, who have allegedly been where she was. And that, I think, tells me a great deal about her. It will require an enormous amount of strength uh, and a lot of support, but I have no doubt that it's her that's behind this and her lawyers are simply facilitating it. I, I agree with you, and I don't think it would be moving ahead if, if, if Virginia wasn't completely on board. But at the same time, I think um, I think it's really important to understand one of the reasons Prince Andrew is in so much trouble is the people he's up against. You know, he's up against Virginia's main lawyer is a guy called David Boyce, who's a, you know one of the most powerful and respected lawyers in, in America. His most famous cases include representing Al Gore in the 2000 U.S. election, which you know he lost to George W. Bush. You know he he brought an antitrust case against Microsoft, which led to the breakup of the company. You know this is someone who has an extraordinary legal pedigree, and and Mr. Boyce isn't doing this for money. He's essentially doing it pro bono. Um, he's doing it you know because this is something he wants to do. It's hard to bet against David Boyce, especially considering you see how he's handled previous cases where. It may take a long time, but in the end, the truth comes out. I mean, you, you look at what's happened with Ghislaine Maxwell. It's drip, 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 drip. David Boyce is very patient, very deliberate, 
and, and an extremely tough adversary. And and you know, normally the only reason David Boyes would and his and his law firm would would stop a, a case like this is because the client runs out of money. But in this case, it's not about money. And for me, that's a really bad sign for the Duke. Now, Dick, can I ask you this, you the lawyer with your legal head on? I spent four months with my colleague Richard Pendlebury investigating the allegations against Prince Andrew at the end of last year. Uh, and it was evident that there are a lot of questions that uh, he needed to answer, that the you know, idea he was in Pizza Express when all this was happening. Now, all these things were bad for him. But to be fair to him, there were holes in her story as well, that there was she got dates wrong or got key information wrong. How do you assess that? Because you've obviously got great experience dealing with victims of abuse. How much leeway can be given when a victim or an alleged victim or complainant gets it wrong in parts of his or her story? A a lot. I mean, um, do you remember where you were and what you were doing 20 years ago? Um, at um, 12.35 p.m. No, we don't, do we? And so the courts and juries and judges take account of the fact that memories fade, that memories can be uh, impacted by other things that you may have seen or heard. What they're looking for at the end of the day is a clear and coherent account that doesn't dot the I's and crosses the T's, but presents as credible. It's a balancing exercise, and this is where I think might be the greatest danger for the prince, Um, because there are different burdens of proof. In a criminal court, were this to be a criminal prosecution, the prosecution would have to prove that the prince committed any of these acts beyond reasonable doubt, so that they are sure. That is a very high threshold, as you will know from your experience and some of the other high-profile cases that we've dealt with. In a civil court, or in in the federal court as as the New York court is, uh, you only have to be sure on the balance of probabilities, i.e. more likely than not that what she is saying is true. That's it, more likely than not. It's a much lower threshold, a much lower burden of proof on her team to be able to prove these things. I think that's really worrying. If I, if I was the prince, I would, not that I am, if I would fancy my chances in a criminal court because of that very high burden of proof. But actually the burden in a civil court in these types of proceedings is much lower and they you know the fact that there may well be some holes in her evidence won't really have an impact Daniel over in New York obviously Ghislaine Maxwell's due to go on trial in November several allegations of, of uh, sex trafficking, underage girls. Um, uh, there's an overlap here, isn't there? Although Prince Andrew isn't uh, named as a, as a co-accused in all this, there's an overlap in the issues, isn't there? And there's a possibility, I'm speculating, but I think you, know, you could speculate reasonably on this, there's a possibility that his name could surface in that trial and he'd be dragged into it, uh, irrespective of whether Ghislaine Maxwell strikes some sort of plea bargain deal with the US authorities. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think there was a big victory actually for Andrew um, when um, two of the charges were separated um, relating to alleged perjury by Ghislaine Maxwell. 
and she's going to be put on trial for them at, at a later date next year, if indeed that trial goes ahead. Those would have all but guaranteed, you know, that the um, allegations related to, to him would have been brought into the trial because the jury would have had to hear about um, Virginia Dufresne's allegations, why uh, her being called a liar was, was you know, uh, defamatory and so forth. And, you know, that would have all been in there, but that's been separated. Having said that, there's a fairly good chance the Duke's name will come up. There's four women making allegations and we don't think that one of the, any of those are Virginia Dufresne. However, prosecutors have said that they could bring in um, additional victims to give evidence during the trial, which could include Ms. Dufresne. And um, furthermore, you know, some of the victims could talk about people they saw at Epstein's house. You know, he was known to parade his connections to powerful men um, in front of young and underage girls in order to impress them. And it's highly likely that one of them could say something like, I, I saw him or Epstein bragged about his friendship with him or, you know, I was at this place and I saw him, which would, again, drag the Duke into the trial. And of course, you know, Maxwell's friendship with, with Prince Andrew, um, you know, may well come up. I'm almost certain the jury are going to be shown that infamous photo of Prince Andrew with his arm around 17-year-old Virginia Dufresne's body at Ghislaine Maxwell's um, townhouse in London in 2001 to demonstrate, you know, her sort of connections to wealthy and powerful people. The other issue, Steve, if I can jump in here, is we don't know what the FBI and the prosecuting authorities found when they searched the various premises. I suspect that there is a huge load of evidence which we have yet to hear about which will disclose what he had in his little black book and who he was paying off and who was doing this and who did what with where. My understanding from my sources back in the USA is that he was meticulous in keeping records. Now, if they're now in the hands of prosecution, they will have to be disclosed sooner or later. I mean, to your point, it's worth bearing in mind that the you know federal prosecutors have all of the evidence that they assembled from their case against Jeffrey Epstein before they arrested him. Now, not all of that relates to Ghislaine Maxwell, but you can bet there's going to be a lot of crossover, and all of that will no doubt be used by prosecutors during the the, the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell. Something which caught my attention in the last twenty four hours: Lisa Bloom, who is an attorney, he represents a number of victims confirmed victims of Jeffrey Epstein in the US and also those who are you know, making further allegations against him and others. Uh, she talked about what would happen if this civil action by Virginia Roberts Jufre goes into the next stage, that there would be what's known in legal circle as discovery, so that uh, Virginia's uh, legal team would be able to depose witnesses, would be able to get statements off key people, get access to emails, get access to police logbooks, uh, all sorts of things which could really build a picture and open all this up. If that happens, that's going to be very worrying for the prince, isn't it, Nazir? Absolutely. I mean, it's what they, what they will then be able to do is carry out the investigation that our Metropolitan Police have so far failed to do. And that's the point, that you can go through uh, phone records, email records, um, we'll talk to people that might be present or might not have been present, etc. All of those things, um, which um, up to now nobody has done. And what's been troubling, another thing that's been troubling me, uh, Stephen, has been the fact that there hasn't been an investigation here in the UK is actually being used by the Prince's legal team, or has been previously anyway, 
as a reason why the case in America shouldn't proceed. They're saying that anything that happened in the UK should be dealt with in the UK, or allegedly happened in the UK, should be dealt with in the UK. Uh, and if the UK aren't investigating, well, it's not fair for him to be tried in relation to them over there. You know, she ends up somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic where the Americans aren't dealing with it and the British aren't dealing with it, uh, and so she never gets the opportunity to be heard. So I think the aspect of disclosure, the fact that these proceedings will be enable an investigation to take place, would be very troubling, not just from the civil perspective, the perspective that's currently being pursued, but potentially opening up uh, a prosecution in relation to criminal proceedings uh, if any evidence does bring itself up. And, and that's a, a good point, isn't it, Di? Because if they do get discovery of documents and, and can get access to witnesses, including the police bodyguards who were the Duke round the clock, or supposedly round the clock, that this could open up and, and Scotland Yard could be effectively bounced into having to do an investigation. That, that would not look good, would it, if they were if they were forced by civil action to have to investigate all this uh, without doing it themselves on the front foot? Well, I concur with everything that uh, has, has just been said. Um, but I've said all this all along. Nobody is taking cognizance of the fact that at this time, the Metropolitan Police and other police forces, including... Manchester and others all came to the conclusion that victims should be believed. My question has been all along, did this stop at a deputy assistant commissioner level or did it go to commissioner and did it go further? Because if I was a commissioner and I was looking at Prince Andrew, I would want every dot and comma. I'd want the investigating or the assessor brought to my office and to explain it. That's how serious a good commissioner surely would take this. Uh, allegation. So I want to know at what level was it decided at these assessments it didn't require speaking to the protection officers, to his private secretaries, looking at diaries, looking at logs. You name it, nothing appears, and I, I may stand corrected, to have been done. But I just wanted to ask you, uh, Daniel, over in New York, that uh, you, I mean, you know Lisa Bloom well, and she's been in this game a long time, hasn't she? She has got a good idea how this is going to all pan out. And it's uh, it's almost like a war of attrition going on to get to the evidence, which could open it all up. Would that be right? I think you're going to see Andrew's side fighting every single stage. The Me Too movement is not diminishing, is it, in the US? That's the bottom line. Absolutely not, no. You know, and I think one of the risks for Andrew with this is that he's, you know, in danger of becoming one of those sort of figureheads of the, of the Me Too movement. And once this is all finished, I mean, I, I think that's, a real risk for him you know he's sort of up there with all the sort of famous men who may have been taken down and obviously he as you say he's denied all allegations you know this is a civil case that's being brought in a US court but you know it's not like Harvey Weinstein where there were allegations and then he he had faced a criminal trial it's just drip 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 and it's been going on for years and it's keep keeping on going and it, it will do for for years to come if this case isn't resolved soon Nazir, just going back to the issue of, the, of a criminal allegation, uh, rightly or wrongly, into Prince Andrew in the UK, if, and no doubt it would be described as a publicity stunt by the Duke side, if Virginia got on a plane from Australia, where I think she is now or wherever she is in the world, and comes to London with a lawyer, walks into Belgravia Police Station to make a criminal allegation in person against the Duke, how would that have to be dealt with, given 
as Dai says, there is this culture of believe the victim, believe the complainant in the police at the moment. Um, as you would deal with any other um, allegation of a sexual offence, she would be interviewed on a video, video disclosure, uh, by a specialist team that deal with such matters. Um, once they've done that, uh, they are required, if the, you know, if the interview produces sufficient evidence, they're required to investigate it thoroughly. So it will just make it even more likely that an investigation takes place here. Um, as I said, I'm not entirely convinced that uh, our current commissioner wants an investigation. She wants a review, she said. Uh, but I think if um, the alleged victim walked into Belgravia station, well, you know, the police would have no hiding place. They would have to carry out the investigation that they have thus far tried to avoid. And I have to say, you know, I, you know, having covered uh, previous cases, uh, particularly involving the Metropolitan Police, they've got it horribly wrong by believing a case before the evidence has been properly examined that it has to be said that a, a proper investigation here could clear the Duke. On the other hand, cynics have noted that he hasn't sued uh, Virginia Roberts, Jufra, for making uh, false allegations as he sees it against him. And he can no longer say, oh, the royal family don't sue people. I think Prince Harry has proven that time and time again the last couple of years. There's a lot, there's a lot going on here, isn't there? I, I, this is not going to go away. Uh, I think David's absolutely right here. This is something that is festering uh, and it's damaging to an institution that I have tremendous faith in and confidence in our royal family, you know, uh, and as a consequence is damaging Britain, even if it is not resolved in the near future. Um, I have no doubt that um, we will be talking about this in months and years to come. As we wrap things up, I wanted to ask you, uh, Nazir, from a legal point of view, what is the prince's best hope of clearing his name? The only thing I can think of is that there is a hearing during which the prince's case is made, during which uh, Virginia's case falls apart in some way, shape or form. Uh, and then the judge can make a finding uh, that he doesn't believe her and that uh, he believes the prince. That is the only thing that well, I think uh, provide 100% or as near as 100% vindication of the prince's position. Um, anything less than that, well, what can I say? Because in many respects, nothing's changed really that much since 10 years ago. And that is, we don't know for sure what went on in the private room, if anything at all, between him and his accuser, do we? So there is a lot of circumstantial evidence. Um, clearly, she had close contact with him. Uh, she had close contact with a lot of VLPs courted by Jeffrey Epstein. But at the end of the day, it's his word against hers. In that sense, it hasn't changed fundamentally, although the court of public opinion seems to be finding against the Duke at the moment. I agree. You've been listening to Beyond Reasonable Doubt, a podcast for Mail Plus with me, Stephen Wright. With thanks to Nazir Assel, Di Davies and Daniel Bates. If you've enjoyed listening, please consider visiting mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe 
to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more.